0: Hey everyone and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about anime episodes 77 through 79, which will be covering manga chapters 127 through 132. And as Little Garden comes to a close, the crew encounters a new obstacle as one of them gets hit with an illness and it becomes a race against the clock to get medical help for them. So, synopsis. With Mr. Three and everyone else defeated, the Straw Hats with the help of Bragi and And the recently revived Dory are set to leave Little Garden thanks to some vital intel accidentally (laughs) gathered by Sanji. Now once out at sea again, Nami is suddenly overcome with a severe fever and some strange illness. And without a doctor on board, the crew is at a loss as to how to help her and decide to venture out to find someone that could help heal Nami. Now as far as differences go, uh, the only difference I found here is the timing of the Tashigi and Smoker's interception of the conversation between between Sanji and Crocodile. In the manga it happens sequentially directly after the event as if the marines had been listening in and had just intercepted it as it was happening. However in the anime they do a flashback later after two or so episodes after the crew has already decided to move on to look for a doctor. Now, I'm sure this was done so that they could fit all the Little Garden content into one episode and to make sure the flow of the episode works, but I personally liked seeing it in chronological order as it is in the manga because it just kind of makes more sense to me. But yeah, aside from that, these episodes were very faithfully adapted. Now moving on to the episode thoughts themselves, after having defeated the Baroque Works agents, to everyone's shock, Dory is still alive. And I was actually kind of honestly surprised too that Dory was still alive. And Zoro correctly points out that because they've been dueling with the same weapons for over a hundred years, the weapons have dulled, causing the wound to be shallow and allowing Dory to survive. And it's also funny to watch uh, them almost get into another fight after being overjoyed that they're both still alive, showing just how competitive they really are. It's pretty heartwarming and and a funny scene as their playful punches turn into actual punches until it's a flow bone fight again um yeah this scene is pretty funny and i love that relationship between them and then we shift gears to Sanji where the last episode actually left off on the cliffhanger and Sanji's conversation with Crocodile is a very interesting one as he doesn't seem to know what Mr. 3 sounds like but Sanji somehow convinces him that he is Mr. 3 and that the mission to get rid of Straw Hats and Vivi were successful and that they've all been wiped out however because of the rudeness of Sanji's conversational tone it pisses Crocodile off and he decides to end Mr. 3's life and he has missed all Sunday dispatch Mr. 2 to take care of him. So it's interesting how the ranking system of the Baroque Works works. That was a mouthful. And so yeah it looks like the higher agents are dispatched to take out the lower agents if they are unsuccessful. But I guess this isn't something new since we saw Mr. 5 and Miss Valentine dispatched to take out Mr. I guess 8 and 9. But I didn't really think about it at that point and I just came to that realization as I was watching these episodes, one thing to note here is that we see Crocodile touch a flower and it dries out turning it into dust giving us a tease of what his devil fruit ability might be. I personally know what it is since I've seen further past this so I won't pretend to speculate but I'm sure most of you can make a pretty good guess as to what it might be because it's pretty obvious if you think about it especially if you've seen other anime. Before leaving the candle hut Sanji notices the unluckies after he had defeated them that they had dropped an eternal post and discovers that it is none other than the eternal post for Alabasta the place where they are trying to go also one side note that move that Sanji executes on Miss Friday like just putting his feet around her head and then wrenching it the other way is freaking brutal I mean it's done comedically but that had to hurt and that pretty much probably killed her now we see a scene of Nami being bitten by a bug of some sort, which may be an important detail later on. We also see here the beginning of one of BB's habits of shouldering all the blame and the overwhelming sense of responsibility she has for everything, even though it's not even in her remotely in her control or her fault. And I I like this that they've already started to establish BB's character because a lot of these traits become very important later on in terms of the events that unfold as we move further and further into the story. And there's a couple particular moments where this trait of BB's creates a lot of emotional tension and some very impactful scenes. But I don't really want to get into it too much because it borders on spoiler territory, but I like that it's already starting to build up here. Sanji finally shows up in an epically late fashion and all lovey-dovey after finally getting to see Nami and Vivi. And although Sanji wasn't there to fight, he still comes through in some huge ways by getting the Baroque works off their trail as they now think everybody's dead. And also getting the eternal post so they can get off Little Garden and not have to wait the year-long wait to get the log to fill up. Now this is one aspect I love about Sanji's character. And how Oda chooses to use him. He uses him in these surprise covert ways that always comes through in these really unexpected ways such which can sometimes seem like it's bordering on deus ex machina sometimes but I feel like for the most part he sets them up well enough that it makes sense within the story and it just doesn't come out of nowhere I also I also have to mention I love the little joke about the rice cracker party and how (laughs) Usopp makes a note the fact that they can't actually commence with the party due to the fact that there's only three crackers left and they can't really consider that a party (laughs) it's like there there are these rules for a rice cracker party by the way i love those rice crackers it makes me feel like an old man but they taste really good as it gets hinted here it turns out the start of dory and brocky's initial fight and their duel was because of the same hunting duel that zoro and sanji had this is hinted at here but doesn't actually get fleshed out till the next episode in a quick flashback i like to think that this is actually a good representation and foreshadow of zoro and sanji's relationship in that even though they act very adversarial Deep down, they both do really care for each other and are actually good friends and will always have their backs. And I just like seeing that parallel. And I hope we get to see some form of this catharsis at the towards the end of the series where Zoro and Sanji actually do express their appreciation for each other and their actual affection. Now, it doesn't have to be like all lovey-dovey or anything, but, you know, it's, it's nice to see that... At least this is my own personal theory. There is really not much to back this up, but I like to imagine that Dory and Bragi's relationship is sort of hinting at what Zoro and Sanji's relationship would be like towards the end of their lives. I love how the dinosaurs, <laughs> as they're leaving, the ones that Zoro and Sanji caught are laying in pieces off to the side. It's like a detail you'll really miss if you're not paying attention. But <laughs> they chop them up and take like the good pieces of meat. But you can see like the carcasses just like off to the side of, of the Mary. <laughs> On their way out, they almost get eaten by a huge goldfish. Similar to the story Usopp told uh, to Kaya on syrup island so now we have one of his lies actually coming true and he even mentions i've heard this story before <laughs> as he's living through it because he's told this story before and the giants in repayment for defending their pride they sacrifice their trusty weapons to defend the straw hats from the giant goldfish and to also add to usop's lie story the giants also reiterate that the goldfish's poop are so big they're often mistaken for islands which is not only part of that story, but Dory mentions that the collection of poop becomes a a big island and that island is called nani which if you remember was the island miss all sunday was trying to send them to with that eternal post when they first ran into her on whiskey peak i still don't quite know if that would have benefited them or not depending on whether the island has a log or not but if it doesn't they could have easily been stranded there and miss all sunday would have been trying to trap them there but on the other hand if it was easy for them to get to Alabasta from Monai then they could have avoided this whole year-long wait for Little Garden's log. So it's kind of hard to tell whether she was actually trying to help them or not. And this kind of reinforces that sort of thought. Uh, is Miss All sunday trying to help them or is she trying to harm them? We don't really know. And also, during the scene where they're floating through inside the goldfish, I love how Nami is freaking out. And Luffy offers her the last rice cracker. <laughs> but really... This is actually a super kind gesture for Luffy and shows that he does recognize that his crew is in distress. And for Luffy, who rarely parts with food, he actually offers it to her as sort of comfort. And I like to think that this was actually a big gesture for Luffy in terms of his kindness because he rarely ever parts with food. Useless anime fun fact here. The animation they use for the attack that Dory and Bragi have for the killing of the goldfish is pretty much the same as Piccolo's Makankosappo or his special beam cannon from Dragon Ball Z without that center beam going through, this, through it. But the spiral part is almost exactly like it except the coloration is just translucent and either red or blue depending on if it was Dory or bragi's I thought that was, <laughs> that was pretty funny when I first saw that and hey... If you're Toei, you might as well save some money on some animation costs, right? (laughs) Because they sure love to cut the corners in terms of animation. And after seeing the greatness of the giants and their power it's here Luffy and Usopp excitedly declare that at some point they're going to visit Elbaf which will be a sight to see and I'm pretty excited for it because that is an island I even have yet to see it. We as the audience even to the most recent chapters have yet to see Elbaf and I cannot imagine the story ending without them ever having visited that island because of how hyped up it's been and how many times it's referenced so I for one hope that we eventually get to see it but I would imagine it's going to be saved towards the end of the series just because of the fact that it is tied so heavily with Usopp's dream and so we can't have portions of Usopp's dream already being completed too far close to the middle of the story rather than the ending of it. Next we get a short flashback scene with Vivi giving us some more insight into what's at stake as well as set up a great character development moment for her later on in these episodes I'm going to skip ahead a bit here but I like that this scene builds up the struggle for Vivi as Iram clearly lays it out to Vivi that the country's survival depends on her survival and she will have to be prepared to do anything to survive even if it means sacrificing and betraying people along the way which is a great moment as we expect someone in a situation like this would do anything to get back as soon as possible and when Nami is sick and in grave need of medical attention true to her good natured self despite her rush to get home she wants to make sure that Nami gets the treatment she needs and to me this is the moment we're completely endeared to Bibi and become attached to her and I think this is also the moment she truly becomes an official straw hat as now she is considering her nakama above all else Even her mission, and I love this moment because it really does galvanize Vivi as a straw hat, I feel like. Even though it's not an official thing. It's just that she gets along with them so well and she fits in with them so much that I consider her a member at this point. We see for the first time Zoro actually training with some massive weights and he's also banged up a little bit as his ankles actually have the cuts. And he's basically like sewn them together really crudely and it looks super painful. And also how does the Mary stay afloat with that many weights on it? Like those weights are massive. Then we get a cutaway scene to Mr. Two. We get our first glimpse of the officer agent, Mr. Two, And we don't actually get to see his face, but we see his costume as he's all in pink and swans. And he sounds like a man, but he's dressed like a pink ballerina, which is a very interesting character design. And we'll see what he's actually about in in a few more episodes when we actually run into him. And now moving on, we get to the focus of what will be the main topic of the next arc. And as I mentioned, Nami gets sick and suffers from a severe fever. And one of my favorite moments of dialogue from this section is how sanji explains that he takes a hundred times more care with nami and vivi's food giving them the best ingredients while the other guys get all the rotten scraps (laughs) and his soap is beside himself at the news of this and luffy the ever optimist is like and yet it still tastes delicious (laughs) just revering sanji's cooking abilities and luffy is just always just a beacon of positivity they also mention that they've never been sick and Baby's reaction to this is priceless. This is, is, are you people human? And it just kind of goes to show you that these guys are not your normal humans. And, and it explains a bit about their absurd durability and their abilities and the fact that they're not built quite the same as your normal people. And here, as they're trying to decide what to do next, whether to divert and go get help for Nami or to continue on to Alabasta, Nami finally decides to show what she was reading in the newspaper that she hid from her during the Meppo episodes. Vivi learns that more than ever, she needs to get back, as a large portion of the royal army has now defected to the rebellion, and now the sides are more or less even, creating a situation for a civil war, and the stakes are now... As clear as ever to Bibi that she needs to make it back to try and prevent this civil war. And it also shows us why Bibi is so desperate to get back. Because it could cost the lives of a million or so people just fighting meaninglessly. Now we finally learn here in this next scene why Zoro gets lost so easily as he explains his thought process behind how he navigates using arbitrary and simplistic waypoints to guide his sense of direction. And in this situation, he uses a cloud in the distance and he just sails towards that. And Nami obviously points out that clouds move and that they can also change shape. (laughs) this is just... (laughs) It's so funny to me how Zoro just thinks that this is normal and this is the right way and he never questions his directional abilities. In that same scene we also get an idea of just how insanely talented of a navigator Nami really is. And how much they absolutely need her. As she just feels this massive cyclone coming even though there were no signs of it at all. And we kind of get some clunky dialogue exposition from VVS to the extent of Nami's talent. But I mean it's... I'm sure they had to do that because in the manga that's really the only way to get that across. After deciding as a crew to go seek medical help for Nami we get to the next bit of the story as we catch up with them in snowy frigid waters and Zoro up in the crow's nest mentions he sees someone standing on the water and after Luffy asks him if he can see any doctors which is a funny exchange in and of itself as why would a doctor just be standing there in the middle of the ocean and we instead weirdly see a guy dressed up in strange garb standing in the middle of the ocean but it turns out he's standing on top of a huge submarine submarine pirate ship. They're then boarded by this pirate ship led by their captain Wapo, And after a bit of threatening from Wapol looking for an eternal post to an island called Drum Island and him taking a huge bite of the Mary using his bakubakunomi devil fruit. And bakubaku is just an, a Japanese onomatopoeia for the chomping sound in Japanese which seems to allow him to eat anything as he also eats his dagger too which ouch now this is kind of me a little bit unfiltered but waple is an ass he is one of my least favorite characters as he is one of the most despicable characters in the series and has almost no redeeming qualities his introduction here does a great job making you hate this guy and he's barely done anything yet first off his voice is really off-putting and super grating that alone warrants the hate he gets and not to mention the arrogance and how full of himself he is is also super annoying and he hasn't even really done anything villainous yet and we already hate him like bravo Oda bravo Luffy and the others quickly take care of Waple and his crew sending him flying off to the horizon but there is there is always something that gets a chuckle out of me in this scene is the afro guy yelling in this broken English like please remember us In this heavy Japanese accent. (laughs) I don't know why. But this line reading is just so random yet so funny. And it's coming from this like African American character with afros. I don't know if this is like racist or not. But it's just so funny funny i don't know why but anyways moving on this is where the uh the difference scene happens so it's here where smoker and tashigi are alerted to to an interception of sanji and crocodile's conversation on little garden and they learn that the Straw Hats and Vivi are caught up in something with the Baroque works and are headed to Alabasta and now in pursuit of the Straw Hats Smoker decides to head to Alabasta to head them off and intercept them there. Coming back to the Straw Hats in another great example of the crew being themselves and interacting with each other is them all being concerned and watching over Nami. It's actually really sweet how much they all care about Nami and I mean albeit Luffy's creepy attempts at making Nami feel better with those weird faces and that weird face paint he still cares and these scenes are pretty funny with all of luffy's inept suggestions and attempts to make nami feel better and i yeah i love that that scene of them all sleeping next to nami as they're all really worried and concerned about her after some time they finally arrive at some wintry island only to be met by a group of hostile inhabitants who want to drive away the pirates and one of the inhabitants gets spooked by sanji's aggression and fires at Vivi while she tries to hold Sanji back. And she is shot and she falls over. And that's where the episode freaking ends. Now, this was a pretty shocking moment. I read it in the manga so I could keep reading. But it is a pretty shocking cliffhanger. And yeah, I what a way to end an episode and it makes you really wanna watch the next one. Anyways, as we close out these episodes, we're left on an intense cliffhanger with Vivi now potentially also needing a doctor as well. While these episodes are definitely just connective tissue episodes between two arcs, Oda still manages to make them progress the story by introducing the next objective and the destination, as well as introducing a new villain. Even above all that, he does an awesome job of developing the crew members, each and every one of them, and we learn something new about them all. And I can't wait till we get to the next few episodes as this next arc is one of my favorites. I know drum seems to be kind of like a hit or miss with some people, but I personally love drum. Um, The Drum Island arc is... so so good in my opinion like there's just so much to love about it and so i can't wait to talk about the next like 10 or so episodes anyways if you enjoyed this episode send me a like or a comment and if you want to join me on the journey of watching one piece please consider subscribing also you can check out my instagram and twitter account at SunnyGoPodcast podcast if you want updates of when i post new episodes or see some random pictures of my manga collection check that out and as always i wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast and no real spoiler section this time they just i don't think there's enough to really warrant a spoiler section i know there are a couple spoiler things but i may save those until later in another episode down the line but anyways i will see you on the next episode bye